Imagine a world without waste. Imagine if you could make products and packaging right every time. It's possible with the help of SpecRight, the first cloud-based platform for specification data management. You can track and report on material usage year over year, run LCAs with the click of a button, and comply with new packaging regulations like EPR and the UK plastics tax. Go to specright.com backslash sustainability to learn more. Now back to the show. Hey, today's podcast is brought to you by Myers Printing, which happens to be where I work as a senior vice president and coincidentally is the best sustainable printing company in the entire United States. Myers is a third generation family business on a mission to create a sustainable future for people, products, and our planet. We're proud to help the important work of the United Nations at COP28. For more information about Myers, the awesome products we manufacture, and our commitment to sustainability, click the link below in the show notes or reach out to me on LinkedIn or just through the Substack app. Join Myers in building a greener future, one package at a time. Today's podcast is also brought to you by Myers, which is where I work my day job and coincidentally is the most sustainable printing company in the country. Myers is a third generation family business on a mission to create a sustainable future for people, products, and our planet. To learn more, click the link down below in the show notes. Hey, good evening or good morning or good afternoon i don't know if that do you say good after good afternoon yeah that's a word uh whatever time you're listening to this podcast thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to listen to the people of packaging podcast i am excited i'm excited to be joined by tony parada i didn't even ask you did i say did i say your last name correctly nailed it perfection yes yes uh tony is uh has been has about 25 years of experience in sustainability growth and innovation Uh, He works at PA Consulting with consumer and manufacturing clients on growth strategy, sustainability, and a word that I'm excited to learn about, regenerative economic projects. He brings a dedication to solving some of the world's largest environmental and sustainability challenges to empower organizations to bring ingenuity to life. Tony also leads the Dry Molded Fiber Initiatives, and if you've been paying attention to this podcast, you'll know we are big fans of the Dry Molded Fiber Initiative, and we're going to get into it at PA Consulting, which include two global collectives aimed at replacing single-use plastics using fiber. These include tackling single-use plastic bottle and tablet blister packs alongside globally recognized brand names. Tony, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Adam. Thank you for having me. Looking forward to it. And if you're watching this, it says Anthony, parentheses, Tony. And I learned that you can only call him Anthony if he's in trouble uh, or if he owes you money. So <laughs> uh, I, I, that, was a, that was a fun little note. My son is actually named Edward Anthony uh, after my grandfather, who is named Anthony. Also big Denver Nuggets fan. And he was born around the time that Carmelo Anthony was playing for the Nuggets, which... I don't like to admit played a little bit of a role, but it was a small role. A little nice. Tiny. Yeah. Uh, I also, I've, I've heard that you are father to five children. Um, yes. I'm the oldest of five children. Um, so we could definitely relate on different ends of that family spectrum. That's great. I love it. Uh, well, you know, I read off your bio, obviously. I, I, I did my best. I did my best to read off the bio. Um, but what, what did we mean? There's a lot there, right? So um, how? I guess my first question is, 
how did you get to a place in your life where you were like, this is what I am passionate about? Because you, you've got a really impressive work history. Everyone can go find, connect up with you on LinkedIn, see your work history, see the things you're passionate about. How did you get to this point? What's a little bit of your why behind what it is that you do? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I'm first-generation American. My parents were immigrants, like many here in the U.S., um, and sustainability, candidly, was just proper resource allocation and management. Um, when you do have a large family, you tend to be very keen and particular on how you go about managing, utilizing, and allocating resources, whether those be monetary, food, uh, or just material resources. So for me, sustainability was more a way of life, having grown up around it and seeing it. Um, and I've always been drawn to innovation. Um, my early work at university included marketing and psychology. I had deep passion around art and finance um, and realized that there was an immense opportunity for us to play a real impactful role in the future, candidly, of our planet and, and our livelihoods. Um, very early on in my career, I was blessed with a mentor who approached me and said, Hey, look, the one piece of advice I can give you is pick a problem that is meaningful to answer in this world and value will flow from that. And value means just impact, um, empower and mission driven purpose. And it also means all the other amazing things that we all want from one another in this world as well. So th that's sort of the very early origin story, if you will. Yeah. Um, I, I will share the path here was pretty unique for me. I spent a lot of time helping typical consumer packaged goods and health and life science companies learn how to market their products better, um, help them communicate the benefits to consumers, um, and then realized along that path that the notion of sustainability was continuing to grow and that I could have a really unique part to play there. What's interesting is, um, I'll make a little bit of a provocative statement here. Um, I'm of the opinion that sustainability at this point is an outdated statement, hence a little bit of my bio that talks about the regenerative economy. Regenerative, yeah. um, I, I think most folks in and around the spheres that we work in would agree that what we're sort of seeing play out on the global scale is nothing sustainable at all. None of us are interested in sustaining the current way we go to market. Uh, we're seeing a lot of changes and a lot of needs related to resource allocation, climate change, et cetera. Um, the notion of a regenerative economy is one where not only do you seek to do little, less, or no damage, but how might your presence in the world actually bring a regenerative or beneficial impact? Um, easy to say, not so easy to do, um, but that, that is my mission and purpose to help clients, brands, organizations, governments, and individuals go beyond net zero to this notion of a regenerative economy. Modern consumers want modern buying experiences, and they don't just want them, they expect them. Beyond killer on-site buying experiences, consumers expect seamless experiences from checkout to delivery. And when things go wrong, and they do a lot, we know this in the packaging industry, they expect the brand to make it right and make it right quickly. In fact, 89% of consumers say they stop buying from a brand after just one bad buying experience. That's where Label comes in. Label Protect is a brand-first, buyer-focused protection solution that's uniquely designed to make shipping issues a thing of the past. 
Instead of leaving your buying experience to chance, you can give your customers peace of mind at checkout knowing their orders are 100% covered from loss, theft, damage, and more. And with a 98% claim approval rate, 24-hour resolution time, and best-in-class revenue share, Label reduces customer support overhead, protects your bottom line, increases profits, and most importantly, Label keeps your customers coming back for more. Whether you ship 100 orders a month or 100,000, it's time to make the final mile part of your competitive advantage with Label. You can learn more by clicking the link in the show notes or going to labelpx.com. That's labelpx.com. But we're back here, jumping back into this interview. Tony, I lost you and I'm, uh, I don't know what happened, but I lost you and you were talking about sustainability. My computer was not able to sustain the connection apparently. <laughs> and so, you know, I think there's probably a little bit of a segue into how this word has actually become uh, not not sufficient, you know, in terms of what it is that we're trying to accomplish from a from a large scale, and that you prefer the word regenerative. And then I lost you, so you're on. Yep. You're probably saying the most incredible things of your whole life, and it's just gone forever. But um, I want to pick back up with that thought. That'd be great. Yeah, no problem. Um, there's nothing wrong with reinventing the new definition. Uh, <laughs> so I think where we left off, we were saying the notion and even the terminology of sustainability may not be enough to really represent what our true needs are. Um, and that this notion of the regenerative economy suggests that as amazing as it is to do less or no damage, how might companies, brands, organizations, and individuals actually go to a place where their presence and involvement in the economy brings a net regenerative impact and actually provides that beneficial impact that we need to see in this world. Um, we were talking about a little bit of the road I've taken to get to my work in the world of the regenerative economy. Um, I'll, I'll give your audience a quick background on PA, but before I do that, uh, before I joined this amazing consulting firm, um, I ran sales for a company called Plastic Bank, really disruptive business model. In essence, we invited poor communities around the world to exchange plastic garbage for necessities like food, Wi-Fi, medical attention, and school tuition. Hmm. Um, as amazingly inspiring and mission-driven and impactful as that work is, um, I realized that we weren't actually addressing the net origin of that problem, and that's the creation of, of plastic, especially single-use plastics in and of itself. Um, hence, uh, by Providence, a close friend of mine introduced me to the folks at PA Consulting and said, hey, these folks are doing amazing work in the world of material science, they're trying to tackle very complex, hairy problems. It might be worth your consideration to take a look at that work and see if you can help amplify and bring some unique skill sets there. Um, and so I did. And very quick background on PA Consulting. Um, we're a consulting company with an 80-year legacy of bringing ingenuity to life. Yes, we do the critical strategy work to grow businesses. But we also get dirt under our fingernails. We help clients go from pixels to particles, if you will, sort of from the mind to materials. Got it. What does that look like? Uh, our first client, we like to say, was Winston Churchill at the turn of the Second World War, helping with personnel and resource allocation. We've done amazing things like build the world's first pregnancy test. We've designed the Nike fuel band and helped harness the power of seaweed for packaging with the team at Not PLA. 
We're the only consulting firm with design, engineering, and science housed in studios around the world, truly tackling complex systems-based problems. That's our superpower, if you will. Um, my remit, again, at the firm is sustainability and, and really bringing that power of the regenerative economy to bear. What that looks like in my day to day is I lead our proposition around dry molded fiber. It, it is a technology owned by a company called Polpack, separate yep. entity. Um, our goal and our partnership with them is to help commercialize their technology for the amazing needs of consumer packaged goods and health and life science brands. I love it. Yeah. And we've, uh, we've had Polpack on a couple of different yep. times. Uh, it's, it's, really fast. I love innovation around either what, if we want to call it sustainability or if we want to call it, you know, the regenerative economy. Um, and it actually goes back to a little bit of your origin story when you said at the very beginning that sustainability was more, was kind of utilitarian, you know, like you, you learned it as in a, in a large family that this, you, you had to be sustainable. And I think in a weird way, we haven't, we, we need to re, rediscover that that sustainability can also be utilitarian it doesn't just always have to be some sort of well we're going to pay a whole bunch more money to do this thing that we can market because that that has been a little bit played out and i think we're now down to the the brass tacks of like yeah but but we have to actually do stuff that works now um couldn't agree more and Um, we're going we're going into it we're going into I was lots of folks would say an economic head, headwind globally uh, over the next, you know, four to five years. And so you combine that with the 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 climate headwind that we've been going up against for a while. And it's like we don't really have much. We don't have a whole lot of time to waste trying stuff that we that doesn't really have much of an impact other than a marketing impact. Um, and and so that that's. uh I really love that part of your of your origin story, um, and and you know, cool about uh, you know not only I'm guessing Plastic Bank is still uh, still going... very still very much in operation, um, still very close to David Katz and his team there doing amazing work in some very challenging areas of the world, Indonesia, yeah. Haiti, Brazil, etc. Um, complete agreement with your commentary. I think we're at a point now where we acknowledge sustainability or the regenerative economy need not be a landscape of trade-offs, right? Right. This does not need to be solely in the realm of marketing as a ploy um, or a tagline. Uh, In the world of pragmatism, you know, there's a notion that suggests the lack of a climate action plan at any business is the lack of a business continuity plan. Um, You're equally as likely of getting put out of business by the climate as you are by your competitors. And I think that's a new notion that a number of organizations in the capital markets are beginning to embrace. Um, And it gives me great hope in seeing amazing innovative technologies in packaging and product creation and supply chain really begin to take off in earnest, to your point, as a utilitarian tool, not an esoteric philosophical tool. Yeah. And also great use of the word esoteric. It might be, (laughs) it might be the first on the people packaging podcast. So it's a great word. Um, So, so as, as you're kind of, describing the the difference I, I i feel like there's a there's a real tangible difference in your brain between sustainability and regenerative economy yep. that those words are not they're not uh uh what's the 
They're not the same. What's the, what's the, there's some fancy word. I'm trying to keep up with your vocabulary and I'm struggling. <laughs> um, they're not equitable. Yeah, they're not equitable. Uh, so what, in your brain, what is the difference between these two and why do you think we need to maybe make a pivot? Yep, sure. Absolutely. So in, in its most basic form, um, sustainability denotes this notion that we can go ahead and our hope is to sustain the existing status quo. I, I think for anyone who understands that definition, none of us are interested in doing that, right? None of us are interested in sustaining the existing status quo in, in a number of places, whether it be the notion of waste, plastic pollution in our oceans, um, ingestion of materials into our bodies, climate change, et cetera. Um, the obverse of that, if you will, is this notion of, yes, let me minimize and hopefully eliminate the negative implications of our activity, but is there a place where my activity can bring a beneficial impact? Um, I'll offer one example. Uh, again, very easy notions to say, much, much harder to do, hence why PA Consulting has, has a, a value in this world. Um, Microsoft, we're unaffiliated with them. Um, came out with candidly a, a very aggressive water policy. Um, their water footprint policy states how might Microsoft return more clean, accessible, potable water into the world than we actually use. So the net balance, if you will, the mass balance there means the very existence of Microsoft brings a beneficial impact to the world's water systems. Hmm. If you can take that notion across multiple industries, you can see how the stacking of those beneficial impacts can truly create change that goes beyond sustainability. Um, these are large, complex system-based challenges. We mentioned that earlier. Um, they often take collaboration in very radical and disruptive ways. Uh, we really are living in a time where you have to look beyond the not invented here mentality. Um, at PA Consulting, in partnership with Polpac, we're beginning to do that. You referenced the two collectives that we're offering. Yeah. Th those are prime examples of collaboration at a new radical level. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to dig into those. I, I, I just, I'll hang out for one quick second and then I yep. want to get into to the, to these two collectives. So um, I think that the, I, I love the story of Microsoft that you shared and this idea of like stacking benefits, you know, is, is the world better because of the existence of your company is... I don't necessarily think a question that a lot of companies have really grappled with um, and what, what is better other than uh, the obvious, right? Job creation and, you know, wellness and all that sort of stuff. Uh, in my brain though, I still think that there is a bit of a use for, for the term sustainable. If, Certainly. if it is in, you know, of course, if, if it is implied correctly. So in the packaging industry, I use it to say, is is packaging able to sustain the the product, right? I mean, at, at its basic level, this is the role of packaging is to be able to take a product from a from a manufacturing line and then sustain it until it's end until the end of the product's life, right? That's at its basic core. That's what packaging is supposed to do. And along with that, um there there's there's been a bit of, uh, I don't want to say moral, it, it's kind of a moral creepiness around like human population 
that I think I just I I personally despise, which is I I actually think that our we we are able to sustain humanity on this planet that we don't have to necessarily go explore to you know to, to Mars. Although you know, kudos to the people who want to try to tackle that problem. That's so far beyond my scope of of uh, thinking. But the idea that we can continue to sustain human civilization growth here. I think is a worthwhile endeavor and we can't keep doing that to your point. We can't keep sustaining the same practices if we hope to have a planet where we do have 10 billion people or 11 billion people living on the planet. Because the opposite of that is that we need to start curbing population growth, which is a I'm not I'm not alluding that you have said this at all, by the way. I'm just saying like <laughs> okay. in my in my own in my own uh yeah it's like hot take Tony Tony Parada <laughs> need... but you know I'll see people in my sustainability and kind of these circles who are like well you know the, the problem is humans and it's like yeah sure we all get it but what's your solution to that is not pretty like if your solution to human population decrease is is some sort of authoritarian or some sort of just awful thing like that can't be part of it so for me sustaining human life is a worthwhile endeavor and from a packaging perspective sustaining the product is is a worthwhile endeavor so there's still to me there's still a use case for that term but i agree that it is completely played out and and in many many cases probably misses the point of what we're trying to accomplish and it may just be deserving of an expanded definition that now yeah. is future fit for our needs. Um, and to move on from there, you know, I, I would expand on one other point. Uh, aside from the sustenance of human life, I, I think those of us in the world of design, engineering, and science, especially packaging design, uh, now look at life, capital L. Yes, mm -hmm. it's about human life and that sust sustenance. But life generally, the, the planet's life, animal life, ocean health, yep. uh, where we've now begun to take and go beyond, you know, human centered design into life centered design. Yeah. Um, and I think that's an important movement. I just had I just had a guest on that. The, the episode hasn't aired yet. But, uh, you know, speaking of regenerative, they run a regenerative farm. And she was telling me about the life that is inside of soil is so mm -hmm. complex and beautiful. And we've really done a pretty terrible job in destroying that life that that provides a lot of benefit. It was a really fascinating conversation. I'm excited for that episode to come out. So uh, you have you have some friends in the regenerative world. <laughs> I'm sure, you've already discovered. Um, and one, you know, some of these friends that we talked about has been has been pull pack, right? And yes. what it is that they're doing. Um, and so let's let's get into the uh, to the you've got the bottle collective and the blister collective. Tell, tell us a little bit about these two, uh, these two collectives. Absolutely. Uh, quick bit of background so that this can be um, a valuable conversation. So dry molded fiber, for any who don't know, as the name implies, is a dry process that under heat and pressure makes use of typically plant-based fiber to create packaging and in some cases product um, that can be used as a replacement for single-use plastics. The benefits of a dry molded fiber are, are very clear. One, since it is a dry process, that means obviously the use of less water. But the use of less water in and of itself a benefit also means less energy is used because then you're not drying out water that was never placed in the process in the first place. Those two benefits drive two very key levers. 
A, higher sustainability profile, right? Lower water use, lower energy use, amazing things. Second, equally important, if not more important, is that also drives the cost and the cycle time down. So this process becomes an economical, truly scalable way to begin to replace single-use plastics at the global scale, at the volumes, speeds, and candidly economics we all expect. And if if anyone has not witnessed the opposite, which is I was in a in a wet molded fiber facility once over in uh, southern China, and that process is n- not great. I mean, it's, it's just, it was hard to watch. Honestly, it's it's pretty slow. Um, there's a lot of wastewater created in it. It was, and I'm not saying it's altogether horrible. There's there's a use for wet molded fiber, I think for sure. Um, but it's not like this is the 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 best possible thing that we can do you know, particularly relative to say like injection molded plastic, it's not like wet molded fiber is altogether for sure a surefire way uh, forward. And that's what actually got me really excited. When I, I first heard about Pullpack, I think it was nine or 12 months ago. And I was like, wait a second, that stuff I saw is, <clears throat> excuse me, is done without all that water. And, it, and it's done at a speed that can mean it can keep up with injection molding. Like now we're on something that that's the basic tenant that we've taken to the market. Um, and for yourself as, as a packaging specialist, or even as a packaging designer, there are things you can do in joy molded fiber. You can't do in some other alternatives. Um, mm-hmm. the, the, the final finish is unbelievably similar and high value to a consumer. Oftentimes we've got consumers holding some of these pull pack pro- products or components. And they cannot distinguish them from a typical plastic. Um, there's amazing decor capabilities, embossing, debossing, and mold labeling. We can definitely get into the specifics. Um, one step higher level than that, we began talking about radical collaboration. Um, you mentioned our work in the world of bottle and blister. I, I can share a little bit about why we picked those two areas. Yeah. Um, and then we can talk about the, the benefits that we hope to, to achieve. So we realized in partnership with Pullpack and engaging with amazing consumer product companies around the world that there are a handful of challenges too large for any single entity to tackle on their own, right? I think we all want to sit here and say, if only the largest beverage companies in the world would tackle the plastic challenge head on, surely they can be able to solve this problem. I think the reality, fortunate or unfortunate, that we're realizing is these problems are systems-based and complex and likely can't be tackled by a single brand. Um, So our intention there is to identify, and we have two such challenges, how might we bring a collective of organizations together in Mm. service of a single mission? So uh, again, we've identified how might we replace single-use plastic bottles using a collective approach? How might we replace what are typically PVC-based tablet blister cards as well. Um, I I will say we're not the first to come up with this notion of a collective. Um, You're going to be joining COP28 soon. The entire theme of COP28 is collaboration. Uh, I think what makes our collective different in partnership with Pullpack is you've got PA sitting at the center with this 80-year legacy of deep scientific rigor and discipline in complex project management. 
driving this collective mission forward. Um, in addition to that, you've got the amazing ingenuity of a pull pack driving the baseline technology. And then we have on the outer layer, if you will, surrounded by amazing brands who are bringing their own research and development capabilities. And oftentimes seeing beyond the competitive lines that have typically been drawn. Um, I can share a handful of examples uh, on the sure. Bottle Collective, um, the three companies who've joined to date that are making themselves publicly known include Halion, Sanofi, and Diageo. Um, Halion and Sanofi, typically competitors in the competitive set. Um, and here they are collaborating in our collaboratory, if you will, um, to find a way and search for an alternative to single-use plastic bottles and doing so in real terms, workshopping together, looking at the science, at new materials, at the process flow, sharing insights. We all know these companies have looked into packaging alternatives for years now. They've just been doing it in their own silos. Right. Um, and Halion being the spinoff from GlaxoSmithKline, correct? Correct. Yes. And then beyond that, similar dynamics in the Blister Collective. So Halion have joined us there, um, as has Bayer. Bayer has joined to say, hey, look, um, the current materials we're using, PVC, uh, amazing properties. At the same time, difficult to recycle, uh, end of life challenges, fairly high, hard to collect. What might alternatives be here, especially in a product formulation that really brings unique benefits to a consumer? Um, compliance of medication in a blister pack is extraordinarily high because you can see which tablet you've taken, how many you've taken, have you missed a dose, et cetera. So uh, again, the, the hope here and the mission here is not to make this a landscape of trade-offs, but to really bring all the benefits to bear possible in a way that's economical, feasible, and still delights the consumer. Was that intentional, bring the benefits to bear both in uh I'm going to say yes. Uh, <laughs> absolutely. Perfect. <laughs> by design. <laughs> it, was, it was perfectly by design. Um, yeah. So I guess my question, when when I think about the properties of fiber and then the properties of plastic, and this is assuredly yep. a question that keeps coming up, is does does dry molded fiber provide the necessary current currently or is it working towards it the necessary properties as you said to give the consumer confidence that their their bottle of tylenol or advil or their blister packs of whatever mucinex or whatever the product is um that that it's 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 safe it's clean it's been protected and i can put this in my body is is that a is that a challenge that you're trying that you're working to overcome um and if so what's that been like Absolutely. So uh, a key challenge that we have been overcoming with in partnership with Polpac and again, those amazing brands around the world that we've partnered with is can we get the same or different level of shelf life, of barrier, of lining technology to be able to do that? Mm -hmm. That is an extraordinarily important component. Um, we can, in some cases, get there almost immediately. And in other cases, in some product formulations that require very aggressive lining or barrier technology, it'll take a little bit of effort and there'll be a transitional bridge. Yeah. Um, a, a, a live example that I can provide is on our bottle today, um, our initial prototype does in fact make use of lining technology. The liner can be a PET liner, it could be a Psyox liner, 
The expectation though, is we've built a process that can handle the amazing innovation that will be before us in the world of lining technology. So when we invent non-polymer based liners that are alginate or mushroom or some other amazing nutrient based lining technology, we'll be able to very quickly incorporate that tech into our already built process. Got it. And we've got a, a, a chassis that can accommodate all those items. Makes makes a ton of sense. Um, well, where would people go to learn um, about both the bottle and the blister collective? Are there is there sites they can go learn about it on the World Wide Web of the internet? Um, can they go to askjeeves.com and search for it? What's the uh, what's the best way to the, find out about this? These the, collectives? Sure, the interweb is definitely your friend. Um, I would point you to a few very easy resources. The first is our firm's own website, paconsulting.com. Um, very quickly, you can go and see all our work in the world of sustainability and the regenerative economy. You can also go to Pulpac's website, P-U-L-P-A-C. Um, they've got a lot of information and valuable content there as well. We've been uh, very aggressive and dynamic on LinkedIn as a platform. So you will see those press releases by Halion, by Sanofi, by Diageo, by Bayer, um, all offering their unique POV and why they've decided to join us on this very mission-driven journey. I love it. I'll make sure that put some links down in the show notes. Um, you know, who who are some people that you think we've kind of covered the how they'd reach out, but who are some people that you're like, it's a no brainer. If you're in, you know, these industries, I would assume if you're in similar industries to Diageo or Sanofi or Bear or Helion, that it would be worthwhile to look into the collective. But are there other industries that you think, boy, I just don't understand why people from this industry haven't reached out more. Uh, amazing question. Thank you for that. That beautiful invite. Um, we, our hope and by design, if you will, of the collectives is that we can tackle the needs of multiple industries. So yes, our work with Diageo will focus around liquids and our work with Halion and Sanofi will focus around tablets and capsules and solids. Um, we expect to work with Fabricare and laundry around powders um, and other chemical compositions. In the world of the blister, of course, we want to work with um, over-the-counter consumer health. We see massive value for pharmaceuticals. The world of confectionery, a, a mm -hmm. lot of confectionery now comes in a packaging format like that. We welcome all those individuals um, at multiple stakeholders in the organization. It, it's amazing to engage with a brand manager. Um, equally, it's unbelievably enlightening to sit with designers and R&D specialists. Of course, we will engage with what most companies will refer to as their chief sustainability officer or their chief climate officer. Um, we really welcome like-minded companies and brands that are looking to join a journey that's not in its infancy, that has made amazing progress, but still is not as deeply entrenched as 60-year legacy of injection plastic molding. Right. Well, that's awesome. Uh, everyone, please reach out to Tony, learn more about what they're doing. The worst thing he can say is, yeah, this isn't really a good fit for what we're trying to accomplish right now, but it's always great to interview people who are not only out there innovating, but have a long history of innovation. And, 
you know, I think that that, that greatly increases the probability of success. So I'm excited, uh, Tony, to be part of PA Consulting's uh, journey here. Just done a little bit with the packaging podcast, but uh, it's been it's been great. Really appreciate you coming on. And uh, everyone, make sure to go follow PA Consulting on their website, on LinkedIn, connect up with Pack, do all the things because it's a big, small world of packaging and you're going to want to know about what it is that they're doing. Uh, appreciate you coming on, Tony. Thank you. No, thank you for having me. Looking forward to it. Hey, congrats. You made it to the end of the podcast. If you're looking for more great podcast material in the packaging industry, please check out Sustainable Packaging with Corey Connors and the newly redesigned Package Unboxed with Avelio Matos. Go find them wherever you listened to this podcast. Thanks, everybody.